this morning. Would you open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Luke, the first chapter? The Gospel of Luke, the first chapter. This verse and several others will be on the screen here behind me if you don't have a Bible. If, if you want to follow along with us, we do have some available in the book racks underneath the seat in front of you or near you. And we just encourage you to put your eyes on the page today. As we're turning to Luke chapter 1, I know we've prayed together several times this morning, but we don't apologize for that. Jesus never said, my house should be called a house of singing, but he did say, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so I want to ask you one more time as you're finding your place in Luke chapter 1 to just agree with me that God's going to meet us in this moment. Father, even now we express worship. God, as we open the word, the worship service isn't over. God, we honor you by honoring your word in our life. In the same way a child honors a parent by honoring their word, God, we submit ourselves to your authority. God, thank you that uh, this is not only a a moment of, of learning, but this is a moment of impartation. God, I ask you by your Holy Spirit to, to do something, say something, speak in a more specific way than, than I have knowledge or insight to communicate. God, speak to hearts that are open and ready and receptive, and God, may that be us today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Luke chapter 1, verse 45, are you there? Here it is. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. We don't do this often enough. Can we just all read that together out loud? Here we go. One, two, three. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. My prayer for you today is that that faith would come alive in your heart. My prayer for you today is that that something that you have longed for or believed for and maybe even been discouraged about would suddenly become resurrected with possibility today. My prayer is that you would believe for the fulfillment of God's promises in your life. See, this statement that we just read is part of a prophecy from one woman of faith to another. This is the soon-to-be mother of John the Baptist, Elizabeth, who is prophesying to Mary, her much younger cousin, who is in her first trimester with Jesus, the Son of God. And and verse 45 begins with these three words that, to be quite honest with you, have been resonating in my heart for Mother's Day since Christmas, I think. I I think it was a staff meeting in Christmas, and it makes sense because we are in the Christmas story. And I read these three words, blessed is she. And I said, Val, write that down. Don't let me forget. That's a great Mother's Day sermon. Blessed is she. Now, I didn't know at that time what I was going to say about it, but I've been praying about it since then. And I've been wondering in my heart, what does this look like? Because my prayer is that every one of us could could say that about the women of God in our lives, that she is blessed, that she is blessed by God. And I want these three words to be spoken, honestly, not just about every woman today, but about every child of God. And so men, this is applicable in our lives, that we would have the blessing of God. But, But what does that actually look like? Now, I, I won't purport to be able to speak to every scenario in our lives, but I, I've, I've recognized five in the text. 
And I want to just give you five things that every blessed woman has. Five things that every blessed woman has. And again, men, you'll find application in your life as well, though you may not want to own up to this first one. Number one, fears. Fears. You can take your halo off this morning. You're not alone. Everyone who is blessed by God faces fears. And many of us are familiar with this story. And you know that what motivated Mary to go to Elizabeth's house was that she had an angelic visitor. The angel Gabriel came from heaven and spoke to her in in the 26th verse of chapter 1. The angel appeared to her, and he told her that she was going to give birth to the Son of God. And do you remember what the angel said to her when he came? What do the angels always say when they show up? Be not afraid. Don't be afraid. Or fear not for the King James folks. Fear not. Why did he say that? Because she was afraid. Because There was fear in the atmosphere. And so the angel says, don't be afraid. Look at verse 29 with me. It says this, Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. See, some people believe if you're experiencing trouble, then you must doubt God. Can I just tell you, that's nonsense. That's that's silly. Because the Bible says in John 14 that Jesus said, my soul is troubled. Jesus never doubted God. Jesus was perfect in every way, shape, and form. So to experience trouble is not to doubt God. It's just a reality. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. And we don't make Christian t-shirts out of that phrase too often, but it's the truth. He did go on in that verse to say, though, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But you will have trouble. You will face fears. And can I just say to us this morning that that faith, or fear rather, is not the absence of faith. And trouble is not a sign of unbelief. Both faith and fear require you to put your, your confidence in something you can't see. That's the thing about faith. You just get to choose which one. Either way, you're putting confidence in the unseen. And some people think that if you're afraid, then you must not have faith. Can I just remind us today that faith is believing in what we cannot see. And sometimes faith is believing in what we cannot feel. And fear is a feeling. But faith is much deeper than an emotion. Faith is deeper than a feeling. Faith is something that we go with even when we don't feel it, even when we can't see it. So faith comes underneath our fears and challenges us to take another step. It's a conviction that you follow even when you're afraid. It's not when you follow because you're not afraid. So everyone, including the mother of Jesus, who is blessed by God, faces fears. And there's all kinds of fears today that want to overtake moms, I mean, there's, there's a thousand things you could have been afraid of today. And, and the enemy loves to traffic in our thoughts, in our fears. W- what if my child isn't healthy? What if I can't protect my kids? What if I shelter them too much? What if they don't have any friends? What if they get hurt? What if they hate me for taking a stand? On and on and on, fears can grip our hearts. Can you just imagine 
What kind of fears would have gone through Mary's head? I mean, feeling like an inadequate parent. I mean, come on, this is next level. You're going to raise the perfect son of God. How do you spank Jesus? Like, how, how do you raise the son of God? You know, it's just, no, you shouldn't do that. Or, or maybe you should. I, I'm not really sure. Maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? But can you imagine for just a moment if Mary would have let her fears determine her future? And can I just say to us today that if you let it, your fears will abort the plan of God for your life before it's ever born. Fear could have gripped her heart and kept her from obeying the voice of the Lord, doing what God wanted her to do. Mary could have said, this can't be. And a lot of us, that's our response when we step into seemingly impossible situations. This can't be, but that's not what Mary said. Look at verse 34. She didn't say this can't be. She said, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. See, her perspective said, this isn't possible. I'm a virgin. I, I, can't, I can't conceive a child. I'm a virgin. And in the natural, Mary saw her position as a limitation on God and not leverage for God. See, God saw it as an attribute. That's exactly what he needed. A, a holy and a righteous and a pure virgin. Mary was exactly what God was looking for, but she was looking at, from her perspective, she saw her position as a limitation. And can I just say to all of us today that it might be true in your life, the things that you're looking at as limitations may be the very things that God wants to leverage. There may be very significant reasons that God has not answered the prayers that you've been praying. Because you feel like, if God doesn't answer these prayers, then I'm never going to have what it takes to do what God wants me to do. And God's saying, if you had that, you wouldn't be qualified to do what I need you to do. And so sometimes God uses the limitations in our life to be the leverage to get us into his divine purpose. Mary didn't say, this isn't possible. She said, how will this be? And can I just challenge you to do the same? If you want to experience the blessing of God in your life, stop letting fear speak first. Stop saying this can't be. And start just asking God the, the honest, faith-filled question, how will this be? Not even how is this possible, how will it be? There's already faith pregnant within the statement. The angel said it. It's going to happen. I just don't understand how. And there's nothing wrong with asking God how. I mean, there's nothing wrong with seeking God for clarity. That's not, that's not a lack of faith. That's saying, God, I'm, I'm your servant, but you just got to tell me what to do. This doesn't make sense to me, but you're God and I'm in, so how can this be? How will this be? Listen, you might be here today, and you're, you're nowhere near that place of faith where you're ready to speak to mountains and tell them to move into the sea. You're not ready to stand up and speak to the wind and call, cause the storm to be still. You're not ready to, to lay hands on the sick and see them recovered or, or raise the dead. But, but if you could just get in on this level today, can I just challenge you today to just begin with a faith-filled question and say, God, how will this be? How will this be? It's enough to say, God, I'm in. I don't really know how it's going to happen, but I'm in. I trust you. Every blessed woman has fears. 
But secondly, she also has faith. Luke 1, verse 38, look at her response. Verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I love that statement. I am the Lord's servant. This is is more than just identity. This is a statement of faith. This is is conviction. This is is a statement of her core identity. And, And moms, there are a lot of things. You know, you, you wear a lot of hats in your life. And, and maybe some of you, you, you would say, you know, if somebody sat down next to you and, and asked you your name and said, what do you do? The first thing you would mention is your career. Maybe that's something that you, that you pride yourself on. And you say, that's, when they ask who I am, that's what I say. I, I'm a career woman. But the reality is you could lose that job tomorrow. And even if you lost that job, you, you could still say, Say, well, I, I'm a mom. I've lost, I've lost the job, but, but I'm a mom. But as many of you can testify, those kids grow up. They move out. They get independence. And, and though, yes, you, you are still a mom, it's, it's not anywhere near in the same sense as it used to be. But you can still say in that moment, I'm a wife. I mean, I had the kids for like, you know, 18 years, 20 years 22 years, can I get an amen? 24 years. I, I had the kids for a while. But this covenant, this is till death do us part. I'm in this for the long haul. I'm a wife. But again, as some of you can testify, that is a covenant till death do you part. And when that day comes, you're not a wife any longer. The covenant is over. And you can still say, I am the servant of the Lord. I'm the servant of the Lord. I mean, you could take all this world has to offer, rob me of every earthly possession and significant relationship, and this is a core statement of identity. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Hebrews 12 tells us that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, but praise God, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We are following a Savior whose throne is eternally established. If your life was shaken today, like like Job's life was shaken, that all that you loved, that everyone who mattered to you was stripped away from your life and you lost it all, do you still know who you are? Or have you you hung your hat on the the opinions of other people and and the the accolades or the achievements or or, or who you are in someone else's eyes? I'm going to tell you, there's there's a set of eyes that you ought to measure yourself by, and they're looking down from heaven above today. You are loved. You are valued. You are treasured. Who are you? Mary didn't know much about her future. She was certainly confused about the plan of God, but she knew one thing. I'm the Lord's servant. I was the Lord's servant before this angel showed up, and I'm the Lord's servant today. I was the Lord's servant when I was single. I was the Lord's servant when I was betrothed. I don't know how Joseph's going to take this news, but I'm the Lord's servant. It's a statement of faith. See, fear was Mary's problem. (laughs) but faith was her posture. And you got to have a right posture 
if you're going to overcome the problems. Part of Mary's posture of faith was humility. Humility. A, a willingness to serve. I am the Lord's servant. You know, at one time, the disciples were all jockeying for position in the kingdom of God. Pride and uh, self-promotion was in the atmosphere, and, and they were arguing with one another about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. God, or Jesus rather, started talking to them about authority, and here's what he said to them in Mark chapter 10, verse 43. He said, not so with you. Like, don't, don't be that way, guys. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. See, if you're going to be blessed, if people are going to call you blessed, then you have to be willing to serve. And the way that we serve him, I am the Lord's servant. The way that we serve the Lord is by serving others. Now, I know moms get a lot of pressure put on them to know it all, to have all the answers to everything. But can I just tell you, you don't have to know it all. Because a posture of humility recognizes that that I, I can't be all things to everybody at all times. A posture of humility recognizes that I, contrary to what the card will say, you don't know it all. And we hope you do, and sometimes we put the pressure on you to know it all. But the Bible says this in Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And what that is saying to us is simply this. If you're going to walk in the blessing of God, you have to take a posture of humility. You have to take a posture of faith in God. Faith in God. In 1960, Wilma Rudolph was named the fastest woman in the world. Some of you may remember her in the Olympic Games in Rome, she won three gold medals, first woman to ever do that in a single Olympics. You may or may not know that when she was five years old, she had contracted the polio virus and it left her paralyzed in her left leg and foot. The doctors said to her mom, she will never walk again. But her mom took a different stance. She took a posture of faith. She was a believer. And she said, she will walk again. And through extensive, faithful, and exhaustive treatments and prayer, we know the rest of the story. It was in an interview after winning her third gold Olympics in Rome that Wilma said, I chose to believe mom. Come on, take a stance of faith in your house. You have incredible influence. I love that. I chose to believe mom. That was the difference. How did you ever overcome? How did you ever learn to walk again? How did you become the fastest woman? I chose to believe mom because mom took a stance of faith. Mom's faith is a powerful thing, but can I just remind all of us, you have to choose to believe it for yourself. If you want the blessing of God, saying mom loved Jesus is never enough. You got to choose to believe it yourself. You're going to have fears, but you got to have faith. The third thing you got to have, every blessed person has, is friends. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. 
It says this, at that time, Mary got ready and she hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. One of the primary people or one of the primary ways, rather, that God wants to bless your life is through people. If, if you're not connected relationally to other people in Christian community, I want to promise you, you're missing out on a significant portion of the blessing that God wants to bring into your life. And when I say that, I'm not talking about your kids, and I'm not talking about your spouse. I'm talking about other believers. I'm talking about Christian community, friends that will build your faith. You need that. I need that. Every one of us, we need to have people in our lives who love us enough to be invested, but they're not so closely tied in that they can't see clearly to speak wisdom into our lives. For those of you that know the story, you know that Joseph was way too close to see rationally. I mean, when, when she said, the angel visited me and told me that I'm pregnant and I'm going to have the Son of God, and uh, so we're going we're to be raising the Son of God, he, he didn't give sound counsel in that moment. He just talked like a dude whose fiance just told him, I'm pregnant, and he was ready to just call it quits. He was ready to just walk on the whole thing, and Mary had the sense to know when the angel spoke to her, I can't go back to Nazareth with this news. I got to go see my much older, wiser, and according to the angel's report, pregnant cousin, Elizabeth. I got to go and talk to Elizabeth. I got I to talk to a godly woman about what's happening in my life. And, and I think it, there's at least two reasons why Mary went to see Elizabeth. And the first one is that Elizabeth is a testimony of God's faithfulness. That's what she represents. The Bible said in verse 36, the angel was speaking to Mary and he said, even Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. So Mary's thinking, I got to go see. I got to go see. I mean, this, I, this is crazy what God has told me through this angel, but if I get there and Elizabeth, who is old and barren, is showing, then I know that God's word is true. That if I get there and I see on her countenance, in her life, a manifestation of the faithfulness of God, then I know I can have confidence in what God has said. And can I just tell all of us, you need to get around some people that are showing I mean, you need to get around some people that when, when you spend time in their presence, you can tell God is good. And it's not just because they say it all the time. There's an evidence in their life of a faithful obedience to follow the Lord, to trust the Lord, no matter what happens. I'm talking about people who are pregnant with the promises of God. Just look at somebody next to you and tell them, I'm expecting I mean, are you really expecting something from God in your life? When people talk with you about what God has done or is doing, is all of your stories in the rearview mirror? Is everything you ever talk about what God did? 
Oh, back in the good old days. Oh, I remember one time. Oh, thank God for those stories. But are you pregnant with a promise today? Is there something you're believing God to do in your life? You got to find those people. You got to get around people that will stir you up. People that when you see them, when you walk with them, when you pray with them, they are a testimony of the faithfulness of God. How many of you men never thought you were going to say that in church this morning? All right. Just making sure you're listening. I'm expecting. I'm expecting something from God. See, when I get around people that are expecting something from God, it's easier for me to expect things from God. Let me tell you the second reason I think Mary went to visit her. I think she, she went to visit Elizabeth because she just needed to get together with a woman who understands. I don't understand, but I understand that sometimes women need to be with women. There's some conversations that I, it doesn't matter how smart I think I am, I'm just not going to bring the answer to this one. Just not. Not even throwing my hat in the ring. I just need to probably go talk to one of your friends about that. I'm not really, not in my gift mix. She knew Joseph wasn't going to get it. Her close family wasn't going to understand either. They were too close. Her shame would be their shame. Here you are, 16 years old, and you're pregnant, outside of wedlock. What have you done to this family? They wouldn't get it. Now, she had to leave. It said she got ready at once. She left Nazareth, and she went to the hill country. She said, I, I got to get out of here. I got to go somewhere where people love me, and they're going to be honest with me, and they're going to embrace me. See, I think married couples get into too much trouble when they they put the burden of responsibility on their spouse to be everything to them. That's what Hollywood, you know, would say. You, know, you complete me. No, you don't. You better not be half a man when you marry her. It's going to be a train wreck. You better be complete in Christ. He is your sufficiency. And we put way too much pressure on our marriages when we try to be everything. Listen, your spouse ought to be your best friend. Absolutely. They should not be your only friend. It's problematic when the only person that you spend time with is your spouse. And, and we know that's true when we watch our teenagers because, you know, they get to that, like, high school age and they start dating. And all of a sudden, all they want to do is spend time with their boyfriend or their girlfriend. They don't want to go, they don't want to hang out with their friends anymore. They don't, it's all, it's all about them. And, and, and we're just going like, oh, what are you doing? Like, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Have a life. And then, and then married couples do the same thing. And then, and then we get frustrated at our spouse when they don't fulfill every single need in our lives. Mary knew in this moment she needed an older, wiser woman of God a righteous woman of God who could speak into her life. And that's the testimony of Elizabeth, by the way. In the beginning of chapter one, down in verse six, the Bible describes Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah. It says these words in verse six. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Can I, can I just say, ladies, God has put other women in your life to speak life into your life, to speak the very word of God. And, and that's what Elizabeth does. She spoke 
a word to Mary's heart. When Mary shows up, look at it with me. It says in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Think about this. If you don't understand that the biblical context, you miss the significance of this moment. They've been praying and asking God to speak for over 400 years. I mean, he's been silent prophetically since the last chapter of the last book of the Old Testament. They've just been looking for God to begin to speak again. And all of a sudden, Mary shows up on the front porch of her cousin's house. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit fills her and she begins to prophesy. She begins to speak life and purpose and direction. She begins to prophesy about the Lord who's in her womb. Mary hasn't even had a chance to tell her yet. I mean, she's barely in her first trimester. And Elizabeth, God just gives her words of knowledge and words of wisdom, and and she just begins to speak into her life. And, And God still operates in those giftings today, by the way. God still wants to give us words of wisdom and and words of knowledge, and and, and we want God to speak, but if you're living like an island, sometimes you're missing God's voice because you're not listening to wiser people. Mary made a, a wise decision to seek out a friend and to let her speak into her life. It says in verse 44, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, Elizabeth said, The baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then her next words, the words we're focusing in on today, verse 45, she said, blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. In other words, she was saying, God's going to do it. God is the God of miracles. You have to believe, but the Lord is going to fulfill his word. It's God who's sending his son. All he's asking of us is to believe what he has said. And then, like Mary, we can, we can willingly carry Jesus into our world. We can carry him. But we have to begin with just simply believing what he has said, believing all of his promises. You know, for all of the honor and all of the esteem that the Virgin Mary has received, the truth is, if she could stand here and preach today on Mother's Day, I don't think she'd receive any of it. If she had not believed, she would not even have been the recipient of this great grace, this incredible miracle. But she believed. How different could your life be if you just believed that God's promises would be fulfilled in your life? How different could your story be if you just believed? No, we're not carrying the incarnate word in us, but we do carry the immutable word. We do carry the inerrant word. We do carry the infallible word of God on the inside of us. The Bible says in Colossians 3, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let his word live in you. Believe it. Believe that it is alive and active as it says in Hebrews 
The the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates hearts and lives, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. God said of his word, my word will go forth and it will not return void unto me. It shall accomplish the thing that I sent it forth to do. Believe in the promises of God that are alive on the inside of you. Luke chapter 1, verse 41, again, I I just want to go back to this for a second. It says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I just say, you need friends in your life that make your dreams jump. You need people in your life that stir something up on the inside of you. I'll tell you who those people are for me lately. Because it's not always the same people. But in this season, it's, it's the young adults that have been a part of my life group. Because on Sunday nights, we've been meeting in our house, and, and my wife and I are hosting several of the young adults in the church, and, and we're coming together, and we're, we're praying, and we're seeking God. And, and I just got to tell you, as a pastor of, of what has been a turnaround church over the last five years, when I get in a prayer circle with a bunch of young adults who are all bought into the vision of this church, a church that had no young adults five years ago. I'm telling you, vision starts kicking on the inside of me. I mean, something just comes alive when I get in that prayer group because we've given ourselves completely to this work. My wife and I, this is our baby. We have committed ourselves wholeheartedly. I want to be around people that make my baby jump. Don't you? I mean, come on, all the naysayers, the whiners, the complainers. I want to get around people that make me want to believe for more. And that's what Mary did. She went into the presence of Elizabeth, and when she got in Elizabeth's presence, all of a sudden, what was inside of Elizabeth responded, and that baby kicked. And she burst out with this prophecy, blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises. She had fears, but she had faith. She also had friends to encourage her. But fourthly, she had a foundation. So the next thing that happens in the text is Mary breaks spontaneously into a song. We call it the Magnificent because the first word of verse 46 in the Latin is Magnificent. She breaks out into this song of praise to God. And and the song that she sings is filled with scriptural references. The song that she sings is even written in a pattern and style that mirrors Hannah's song in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And so this song communicates something to us about this young lady. She had a foundation. I mean, she needed friends, but her friends weren't her foundation. Sometimes you need a friend to lean on, but you can't have a friend to stand on. You got to have a foundation. And she knew the word of God. Can I just say to you today, if you don't put the word of God in your mind, you're never going to be able to hide it in your heart. And, And Mary had the word of God in her mind. And so when she responded to what God was doing, the scriptures just began to flow out of her mouth. She began to speak of God's goodness to the people of God throughout the history of the Old Testament. 
You can't build your life with materials that you don't have. And so if you're going to be blessed by God, you have to have a foundation. You got to have the pieces. You got to have the word of God in your heart and in your life and in your mind. Mary said in verse 46, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And and in this little song, in these 10 verses, eight times, she says, he has, he has. In other words, this isn't a song about herself. This is a song about what God has done. It's a song about what God can do. There's no no pride here in who she is or why God chose her. It's a song about God's faithfulness. And and she could recount the faithfulness of God in the past for one reason. She knew the word. She knew the word. And she wanted God to have all the praise. There there, there is a, a theological belief that in order to give birth to Jesus, Mary had to be without sin. It's the doctrine of the immaculate conception, that somehow her soul was preserved from sin by divine grace, and so she was sinless, and, and therefore she could carry the Son of God, but I don't believe that's true for one reason. Mary said it's not true. Mary understood biblically the foundation of our situation, that all of us are born into sin, that all of us, Romans 3.23, have fallen short of the glory of God. And that's why in the second verse of her song, she says in verse 47, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Mary understood, I need a Savior. Just like every other young woman in Israel who who longs to be a mother, not just for the the honor of birthing a child, but for the hope that maybe the deliverer will come. She lived in anticipation like every other young Jewish girl, that a savior was coming. And she said, I rejoice in God, my savior. There's a lot of qualities that, that Mary exhibits that are honorable, and there's a lot of things that we should try to emulate about her, but one thing we need to remember is that God did not choose Mary because of who Mary was. God chose Mary because of who God is, and it's the same reason that he chooses you and I, and she goes on in verse 48, and she says, for he, God, has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Who's done great things? The Lord. The mighty one, he's done great things for me. Holy is his name. Not my name. Holy is his name. And she just overflows with praise and and, and, and her song begins to extend beyond the goodness of God in her own life. As the more she sings, the more you read this, she begins to think about the reality of God's goodness to other people too. She starts thinking about how faithful God has been to anyone, not just her, but to anyone who puts their trust in God. Anyone who's willing to, to trust the way that she's trusting in this moment. And so in verse 50, she says, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. She's saying, not only is is God faithful, but he's always been faithful from generation to generation. He doesn't change. Not only is he powerful, he's always been powerful. Not only is he merciful, he's always been merciful. 
and he always will be to those who fear him. See, when the angel Gabriel came to her and she responded and said, I am the Lord's servant, she was making a confession of her identity. But in her song of praise, she emphasizes even farther that she understands that the blessing of God is conditional on the surrender to his lordship. That's why Elizabeth could say, blessed is she who has believed. Because she fully surrendered. She had a foundation in her life that was based on the word. And by the way, this is the gospel. What I'm telling you metaphorically through her life is true for you and I. We have to come to a place that we recognize the blessing and the favor of God is not based on who you are or on what you do or how you were born or what spiritual experience you may or may not have had. The blessing of God falls on those who are submitted to God. That's why the the first requirement for anyone to be saved is an acknowledgement of sin, that we recognize we need a Savior, that we recognize the way that Mary did. I rejoice in God, my Savior, not my partner, not my assistant. No, he's my Savior. He's my Redeemer. She says in verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from the throne, but he has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. And so now she begins to recall stories from the Old Testament of God's faithfulness, her Bible, our Old Testament. She begins to recall all that God has done. And she says it out loud. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then at the end of her song, she does something incredible. At the end of her song, she she takes the posture of an Old Testament prophet. They would do this all the time, and now Mary is, is stirred, and she's so certain of what God is going to do that she begins to speak about it prophetically in hindsight. That's why people get confused when they read prophecy, because it's written in past tense a lot of times. They say, wait a minute, did this happen or is this going to happen? They're so certain of what God is saying, they're saying it as if it already happened. And that's what Mary does. I mean, she's speaking in past tense, but she's talking about what's about to come. I mean, she's barely in the first trimester of her pregnancy. Jesus is a seed in her womb, and she says in verse 54 and 55, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, Mary was absolutely convinced that God's promise was going to be fulfilled in her life because she had a firm foundation. And if you don't have a firm foundation, I can't talk you into it. I mean, I can't talk you into faith. I can't talk you into some level of optimism that's going to get you through the next challenge. You, you got to have something that's more substantive. That's why Jesus said the foolish builder is the one who hears the word, but he doesn't, he doesn't apply it to his life. 
And there's a lot of foolish builders that, that are attending church. It's a holiday, and so maybe there's an obligation to go, but they're not going to apply anything. And not me or any other preacher can, can help you sustain yourself in the storms that life is going to bring if you don't apply the word of God. But Jesus went on to say there's a wise builder, and the wise builder, he goes through storms too. He has trouble and fears too, but the difference is he heard the word and he applied the word. And when you apply the word, you're like a builder who builds on a firm foundation. You got to begin to build your life on a solid foundation. This kind of news, this kind of rejection from her community and from her family to be ostracized, to be labeled as a harlot, this would have wrecked most teenagers. But Mary had a firm foundation. She knew who she was. She was blessed because she believed that God would fulfill the promises of his word. Let me give you one more, finally. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is so important. I talked about faith already. Having faith is knowing what you believe. But faithfulness is living out those convictions every day. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the challenge is. And it was faithfulness to the word of God that brought Mary to Elizabeth's porch. The angel said, Elizabeth is in her sixth month, and you're with child of the Holy Spirit. It, it was faithfulness to the word. It was faith that said, how will this be? But it was faithfulness that put her shoes on and walked out the door and headed to Elizabeth's house. It was faithfulness to the word of God that brought her there. Most of the people that, that knew Mary before she had Jesus never fully believed in the miracle. As you study the scriptures, we get little insights, even throughout the life of Christ. 30 years later, when he was an adult, people criticized him for the scandal surrounding his birth. So you can imagine Mary living a life of dealing with sideways glances and speculation. The Bible says in Mark chapter 3, or chapter 6, verse 3, this is when Jesus came to his hometown to minister. He's already a credible teacher. He's a prophet. He's doing miracles. But when he came to his hometown, the reception that he got in Mark 6 was this. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And then what does it say? And they took offense at him. They were offended by Jesus. John records in John chapter 8, verse 41, that Jesus is uh, with the religious leaders. And this is what the religious leaders said to Jesus when they were puffing out their chest and, and, and promoting their own uh, credibility. They said, we're not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. He's taking a dig at Jesus, taking a dig at his mother. Even when Nicodemus, whose faith was growing after his experience with Jesus in John 3, he began to speak up and defend Jesus in the synagogue. The Pharisees responded to Nicodemus in John 7, 52. They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it. You'll find that a prophet doesn't come from Galilee. The lifetime of slander and persecution and speculation being made about Mary, we still find her at the foot of the cross and the first to the tomb. 
we find her faithfully, faithfully following the Lord. When Jesus was only eight days old, Mary and Joseph took him into the temple and an old prophet named Simeon held him in his arms. And in that moment, he prophesied over Jesus, but he also prophesied over Mary. He said to her, a sword will pierce your own soul. Trouble's coming, but she stayed faithful. When King Herod was looking to kill baby Jesus, Joseph got a word from God in a dream in the middle of the night, and they had to flee. New parents with a newborn son, they had to flee as refugees to Egypt, but she stayed faithful. Here's the guarantee that we all have. It's not always going to be popular or convenient to live according to the promises of God. It's just not. But if you'll stay faithful, Jesus said, you'll be even more blessed than his mother. More blessed. Say, really? Yeah. Jesus had a conversation with a woman as he was teaching in John chapter 11. He's teaching, and this woman just blurts out as he was saying these things in verse 27. A woman in the crowd called out, and she said, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. She was just so touched by Jesus' ministry. She said, blessed is your mom. And Jesus responded, verse 28. He replied, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. See, God wants wants to use you, and God wants to use me every bit as much as he wanted to use Mary, certainly in a different capacity, But he's called us to be pregnant with the promises of God. He's called us to be carriers of Christ into our world, into our generation, to bring his light once again onto a dark landscape. And he has a special assignment in mind for you, how he wants you to do it. So I want to just read one more time as as we close this service today, this promise that is for Mary, and I believe a promise for you today. Blessed is She who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. The criteria of blessing is believing. And I want to pray for you today, as I said in the beginning of this service, that faith would come alive on the inside of you. I want to just invite you everywhere across this room to bow your heads with me for a moment as we just invite the Lord to to speak to to us in these closing moments. Father, I, I pray right now for those that are crippled with fear, those that have allowed circumstances or people or doubts to cause them to, to say with resistance, This can't be. God, I pray that today you would help every person in this room, even the one that feels the farthest from you, to take that small faith-filled step from saying this can't be to saying how will this be? Just shift our focus, God, from saying not possible to just admitting, God, it doesn't make sense to me, but I know you're God and I know you're in it because it's your word and your word never fails. And so God, 
I'm just leaning to the faith side in this moment. And I'm saying, God, how will this be? For some of you, that's the step of faith that God is calling you to take. To stop doubting God and start believing. How will this be? And God, I pray for the one here, maybe the many, that feel isolated. They feel alone, even in a crowd. They feel like they have no friends. They feel like they don't have anyone they can talk to. They feel like when life hits them with the unsolvable questions, there's not a person they can run to. God, for the marriage that may be struggling because husband and wife have just put too much pressure on each other to be everything for one another. God, I pray that you would put them in community. God, put them in a, surround them with men and women of God, people who love God, who are full of the spirit of God, who walk in righteousness, people who will cause their dreams and visions to kick again. God, your word says you set the lonely in families. God, I pray that you would give us direction. Give us courage to step outside of ourselves, to be approachable. The psalmist said, he who desires friends must show himself friendly. So Lord, for that person that feels like they're isolated today, God, help them to make the network. Help them to build relationships, to strengthen the body of Christ. Help them to discover the mutual blessing of walking into the home of a brother or a sister who's walking in the promises of God. Father, for those that have been like the foolish builder, they've heard the word, but they've never applied it. God, I pray that today's the day that, Lord, they would get a foundation. They would begin to build their life principle upon principle, precept upon precept. God, that we would not spend every day making the excuse about all the parts of the Bible we don't understand, but that, God, we would spend every day meditating on the parts that we do. God, that we would lean in with our whole hearts to the clear, authoritative word of God, and that we would begin to build our lives upon your truth. And God, I pray that you would begin to help us by your spirit to walk in faithful obedience to your word. If you're here today and you need the Holy Spirit to, to help you, to empower you, to live a life of obedience to the Word of God, I'm going to pray a prayer for you right now. I just want to know who I'm praying for. If you say, I need the Holy Spirit's help today so that I can live a life of obedience to the Word of God, so that I can walk in the blessing of God because I believe His plans and purposes will be fulfilled in my life. If that's you and you need to pray that prayer, would you just raise your hand? I'm just looking all over this room. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Hands are going up all over this room. If you want to join in, I'm asking one more time, and then we're going to pray. If that's you, you say, I need God's help. I need God to help me to be faithful, to believe his promises. Thank you. God bless you in the back. Praise God. Up front. All over this room, could we all just stand together? We're going to pray in agreement. I'm, I'm just, if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm sorry. It's Mother's Day. I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to ask you to join hands with somebody nearby you. Could we just agree in prayer? I, I just want, there's a point of contact that needs to happen right now. Faith happens at a higher level where there's unity. And so let's just agree right now. Many hands went up all over this room. You don't have to know the needs of the person next to you. I just want you to pray in agreement with me right now. God, let faith arise in this house. 
God, for those that have struggled to just believe your promises, for those that have struggled to walk in that blessing, God, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would fill them full. God, fill them with your Holy Spirit, the same way that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit when she got in the presence of Mary. God, I pray that this would be an atmosphere where dreams begin to kick, where life, the life of the Spirit begins to jump on the inside of us. God, I pray that what Jesus said would happen happens even now in this moment. Jesus, you said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Father, make us full of the Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that there would be strength that is not our own this week, to get up, to rise up every day in confidence, and to believe your word is true for us. Give us the faith to live it out in obedience every day. God, thank you that your Spirit is equipping us right now for everything we need to live a godly life in Christ Jesus. Your Holy Spirit is enabling us. Your word declares that we no longer have an obligation to the sinful nature. The Spirit of Jesus lives on the inside of everyone who confesses him as Lord. So Jesus, right now, we confess your Lordship. Can we all just pray this out loud together and say, Dear God, I confess Jesus, your Son, to be the savior of the world. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose from the dead. And because he lives, I have new life. My sins are forgiven. My shame is gone. Today I'm blessed because I choose to believe that all of your promises will be fulfilled in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Enable me to follow you from this day forward. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise today? Amen. Come on, let's, let's show him some gratitude today.